If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome on this first Sunday after Christmas from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you pray with me? The new year starts tomorrow, Holy One, and we've been asked at least four times about our resolutions. The season to be jolly is over. (laughs) Replaced by the season of evaluating, taking stock, and making commitments. There is plenty more we can do. Can we read more? Can we exercise more? Can we save more? Can we earn more? Can we volunteer more? There is Plenty less we can do, too. Can we worry less? Can we be angry less? Can we talk less? Can we despair less? Can we fight less? We want to be our best selves, Holy One. And tradition says that we have an overwhelming amount of work to do to fulfill our potential. Our chest tightens, Holy One, as we try to pick a few things that we think will make us worthy But before we get too worked up, in this moment, we quiet ourselves. We tune our hearts to your still, small voice, reminding us that your grace is sufficient. As we set our intentions, we trust that we are beloved already We don't have to earn it, much less beg or barter for it. Be with us, Holy One, as we work not on being more or less, but on being faithful. As the prophet Isaiah said, we are the clay and you are our potter. With tender hearts we pray, amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. 
and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. As you heard, we are interrupting our regularly scheduled programming from the Gospel of Luke for a story from the Gospel of Matthew, the only gospel to tell us the story of the Magi coming from the east to Jerusalem in search of Jesus. We, of course, remember that only two of the Gospels tell the story of Jesus' birth, Matthew and Luke, and those two Gospels tell the story differently. If we would have stayed in Luke's Gospel, we would be reading about Mary and Joseph presenting Jesus in the temple and the double blessing from the prophets Anna and Simeon. Luke says the family then returned to Nazareth and follows that up with the only story we have from Jesus' childhood when he and his parents go back to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when the festival had ended, everyone started back, except for Jesus, who scared the daylights out of his parents by staying behind without telling anyone. They had to return for him and found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Matthew, though, doesn't include any of those stories. Instead, Matthew goes from the manger to the magi, not the temple. This pericope is when Matthew really begins in earnest to connect Jesus to Hebrew scripture. In verse 5, we find the second of 14 quotations from the Hebrew Bible that are almost identical in formula sounding something like, for so it has been written by the prophet, or all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Matthew is equal opportunity when it comes to using Hebrew scripture in his gospel. He will quote, misquote, and modify just about anyone when it suits him. For example, in verse 6, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall come, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Matthew massages and combines two different texts 
Micah 5.2 and 2 Samuel 5.2 to explain why the Magi would find Jesus in the town of Bethlehem, an otherwise unimportant dot on the map. The next example of Matthew connecting Jesus to the prophets happens just a few verses later in verse 10, when the Magi present Jesus with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are terrible gifts for a child, (laughs) and not much more helpful to his parents. It has been said that the gifts were terrible and must have been chosen because the Magi were clueless men. That had the Magi been women, they would have arrived on time, cleaned the stable, and brought a casserole. But for the love of men, let the preacher woman say that we are grateful that harmful gender roles and stereotypes are being healed all the time. The Pew Research Center recently found that millennial dads spend three times as much time with their children as fathers from two generations ago. And while in 1982, it was reported that 43% of fathers never changed a diaper, now nine out of 10 dads participate in diaper duty. However, the gender of the Magi has nothing to do with the impractical gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's just another example of Matthew connecting Jesus to ancient scripture. The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Nation shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And then in verse 6 in the same chapter, They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Scholars are quite certain that Isaiah was not talking about Jesus, but Matthew never lets the facts get in the way of a good story. The Magi bring these particular gifts because it helps Matthew help Jesus fulfill prophecy. Now, some might balk at the idea that Jesus, that Matthew would help Jesus fulfill prophecy, but as theologian Robert Miller explains, the belief that Jesus fulfilled scripture is part of the DNA of Christianity. That belief goes back as far as anything historians can trace in early Christianity. Paul, whose letters are the earliest available writings about Jesus, wrote that Christ died for sins, quote, according to the scriptures. The belief that Jesus fulfilled scripture was crucial to the earliest groups of Jesus followers, either Jews or non-Jews, who knew that they had joined a Jewish movement because it was a means to assure themselves of their religious legitimacy. It enabled them to relate what was new, Jesus, to what was old, the scriptures of Israel. Making that connection was essential in a time and culture that regarded old sacred writings with reverence and anything new in religion with suspicion. From the beginnings of Christianity, then, the belief that Jesus fulfilled prophecy functioned as an attempt to prove something of great importance. This strategy of helping Jesus fulfill prophecy has had some particularly interesting and often harmful consequences in modern times, which is why we note it this morning. 
Most troubling are interpretations of the text that are anti-Semitic, those that have led to the conclusion that the New Testament supersedes or takes the place of the Old Testament as if it were faulty. It is not. But this was not Matthew's aim, of course, primarily because Matthew was Jewish, but also because Matthew was working to legitimize the religious self-understanding of the community for which he wrote. This informs our own reading and the questions we ask ourselves and of the text. Marcus Borg and Dominic Crossan point out that given that we do not think of the wise men as actual historical figures, but as characters in a parabolic narrative, it may seem idle to speculate about who they were, but we can nevertheless, nevertheless ask who Matthew imagined them to be. They are magi, a word from which we get magician, but they were not magicians in the modern sense of the word. Rather, the word refers to a kind of religious figure. Magi had wisdom by being in touch with another reality. Their wisdom was a secret wisdom, a kind not known by ordinary people. No doubt, some were astrologers in the sense that they paid attention to signs in the heavens. But to think of magi as primarily astrologers is misleading. Rather, magi were people with a more than earthly wisdom. The magi in Matthew's story come from the east, um, and it's really not particularly helpful to speculate about what more specific geographical area they might have come from, because this is sacred ge geography, not physical geography. Much like the word neighbor is a theological word, not a geographical one. What matters for Matthew is that they are Gentiles. As Gentiles, they are from the nations, remember that Isaiah passage, and so they are drawn to the light. And we, too, are looking to be drawn to the light and into deeper understanding of the teachings of Jesus. These magi offer a model of how we might do just that, for they show us what it looks like to intentionally make meaning. The Magi observed the star, and instead of ignoring it or simply gazing at it from afar, they pursued it. They lean into wonder. They are curious to know more, and then they wind up in awe at what they find. Ultimately, they listened intuitively to their dreams and evaded Herod's deception, choosing to go home by another road, one that was unfamiliar, but that they trusted would take them to where they needed to go. The idea of the star word, what you see on the communion table, is just that, an opportunity for us to make meaning, to pursue understanding. Like the star pursued by the Magi, it will guide us and we will follow it with our sacred imagination, with awe and wonder, and trust that it will come to rest just where it needs to. 
On the communion table, there are star words for each of us, and in just a moment, we will have the chance to come forward and receive one. For those of our family who are online participating in worship through Facebook, if you will leave a comment that you would like a star word, our deacon will respond with one. For those of you who are in person, when we come forward to collect your word, I encourage you to come to the table and you can come all the way around to the backside. Close your eyes and then pick up whatever card your hand happens to land on. Do not hunt for a particular word. Do not look through them to decide which one you're supposed to have or what you can make sense of or apply immediately. Remember, we will carry this with us all year long and its significance will grow and change just like the star in our story. By receiving a star word chosen at random, we practice the spiritual tasks of seeking and receiving. It might, of course, be possible that when you see the word you pick up, you will think you know exactly what it means for you. This can be true in this moment. It can also be true that its meaning and application will change as our lives do. It is also true that revelation is the progressive unfolding of our relationship with God. God is leading us out towards it. We have not yet arrived. Once we each have a word, what do we do with it? Well, you might start by looking up the definition of your word, even if it is a word you know well. You may even look into the etymology of the word and how its meaning has changed throughout history. You might ask yourself what the word reminds you of. Does it recall any memories or experiences? Display your star word where you'll see it regularly. Keep it in your wallet or tape it to the bathroom mirror or to the refrigerator. Meditate, journal, and pray using your word. Consider forming a star group or finding a star partner to meet with regularly throughout the year to process and discern together. But whatever you do, let us take our star words seriously, trusting that they will lead us where we need to go. Come, all is ready. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland.
Thank you for listening.